Thank you so much. What a joy and a privilege to be back with members of HOPE. Thank you for standing with us as we've seen God do great things. What a joy this is and what a joy to see this church that has been the mission church for years and years. And uh, in spite of changes, we have remained faithful to the word of God. So the message today is at such times as this. And we're going to look at, is it mission is when you get a job? For a business to earn a living? Is it missions when people get married and establish families? Is that missions? Do you think of missions when there is a wedding in the church? Do you say, wow, that's great, missions, great commission? Is it mission when we engage in politics, when we talk about leadership and want to get involved? Is it missions when we come to church and worship? Those are the things I want us to think about today as we look at being in such time as this. Genesis chapter 11, verse 9 and 10 is absolutely amazing. Actually, between 9 and 10, I will say is a major division of the Bible. After chapter 11, Verse 9, it is like a preamble. And chapter 11, verse 9, here is the message that we get. When God says, And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Mark that one. That was the beginning of the nations. It was the beginning of all the tribes that we have today. That is where it began. And then verse 10, they, these are the generations of shame. God dispersed the nations. And then, these are the generations of shame. That is the line that created the nation of Israel. And that is the line that takes us. The rest of the Bible is about those two. The creation of the nations and the creation of this one nation that leads us to the cross where Jesus Christ is born through the nation of Israel. And so we have the cross. And after the resurrection, here is what Jesus Christ said. Great commission. Go and make disciples of who? Of all the nations. Which nations? The same one she created there. Because when she created the nation, the line of Shem, it was so that you can bring us to this point where now the nations have been scattering and then... He says, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? In chapter 11, he said, let us go and confuse their languages. That was the Trinity saying, we're going to create nations. Now, Jesus is saying, I want you to go make these disciples and baptize them in our name. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Same one that scattered them, now saying, I want them back. Baptize them in our name. What a privilege that is. But why did God's people go into captivity? Because this line of shame is a line that when the nations were being created, they get into a fight, they meet, they have taken into captivity. Uh, Israel went and conquered the land of Canaan. Those are the nations that God created, took over because of their sinfulness. And now God says, 
these people had to go into captivity. Why? Let's look at the scripture. In the book of Kings, uh, chapter 17, it says, and they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves metal images of two calves, and they made an Asherah and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served Baal. Then we are told, and they burned their sons and daughters as offering. That was exactly what the nations in Canaan had done, worshiping idols. And now Israel were doing the same thing. And used divination and omens. And they sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord. It's like they were just committed to be evil. Provoking him to anger. And we are told, therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah. This happened, by the way, in 586 BC. That is That is when the northern kingdom was taken. And uh, I think we read last week in the book of Isaiah. We're not going to read it. But that is, that is when the, the people of Israel were conquered by the Assyrians and taken into the land of Assyria. They were settled in Hala and Habor and uh, scattered in the midst. And that statement down here says that, and so Israel was taken into exile from their own land into Assyria until this day. How about the tribe of Judah? This was the northern kingdom, 722. How about the tribe of Judah? What happened to them? Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had introduced. And what happened? And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel. That means all of them. The northern, the southern rejected all of them and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. It's like, God, I don't want to see you again. Get out of here. So that is now, that happened in 586 B.C. when Jerusalem was conquered. And we look at that last week. Uh, we see in the book of Kings, Yes, and we're not going to read. We read that last week. I was so glad I came here to listen to the message, and it was all corresponding. And um, this is the story that gave birth to the story of Esther. It is the story of captivity. Here are a few questions here we need to ask. Did God abandon them completely? Remember he said, out of his sight? They were so bad, and God wanted to get rid of them. What about God's promise? What happened? What about God's plan of salvation? And how should Israel live in captivity? How are they to survive? And then how are we to live in a situation where we are finding such times as this? 
So we come to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, verse 1 to 7. That is where our message is, is going to be. Uh, we have the first deportation of the Jews actually occurred in uh, 597 BC. It, it, it took some years before finally Jerusalem was conquered in 586. And then that is 588 was when Jeremiah's message was given. Final deportation. That was in 586 BC. Now, watch this one. 582 BC, which is exactly four years after the deportation, exactly four years after God said, I want them out of my sight. Guess what happens? Nebuchadnezzar, who took them into captivity, he becomes an animal. God was still involved. God was still dealing with him when he had this dream and Daniel interprets for it. God did not fully abandon them. So now, God's people have gone into captivity. They are under a rule that they didn't like. They are under this tyrant called Nebuchadnezzar. And so the question is, how should they live? How will God's plan be fulfilled? And that is what Jeremiah is going to give us today. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 1. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent to Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and to the prophets and all the people that Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Babylon, from uh, Jerusalem to Babylon. This is the story. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. That is actually the first deportation that they were taken. And uh, next one, there, there was, the letter was sent. That is interesting. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, son of uh, Shaphan, the, and Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah had sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar, to Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. It looks like what was happening is that these guys were being sent by the king to go to Babylon. King to king message. And Jeremiah decided, take advantage of that, give them a letter to also take it to God's people who are in exile. And this is the message. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Really? Didn't you take, remove them out of your sight? God says, that says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. To all the exiles, <laughs> look at this one. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile. That is God. I did it, baby. Don't blame somebody else. And then what does he tell them? Build houses and uh, live in them. Plant gardens and uh, eat their produce. One point, God says, I'm still fighting for you. I'm the Lord of hosts. So I'm still involved in it. Don't you think you are alone here? And then, I'm still your God. 
I am still your God. You messed up. I kicked you out, but I'm still your God. And then he says, I send you to exile. I am the one who did it. Now what do you do? Take care of yourselves, okay? That's going to be home. That's God. He's actively disciplining his people, but he's telling them, I'm still your God. That is when we talk about God's grace. Now, verse 6. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters in marriage. And so they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. God is saying now take care of your families. Have children. Let them get married. You know, if you see some young men who are really that age, ready to get married, they have jobs, but they are afraid to approach a woman, challenge them. Come on, guys. Good ladies here. Don't let them wait too long. I said, they need to get married. God says, do it. This is missions. Getting married is mission. It's not. My goodness. Let's continue. Take care of your families. And then, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. Pray, talk to me about them. Why? For, for the welfare, for in its welfare will be your welfare. Christians, God is telling us something here. Take care of your nation. Get involved and pray. So those, those two things. We are going to take care of this nation where we are. Now, this was a foreign nation for them, but they are going to do those two things. Get involved, get engaged, and also pray. And we need to be. That's why we make it a deliberate plan that when we go to anywhere, any country, we want to see if we can help the church reach out to those who are leaders, get engaged in politics, in everything. So God's word for such time as this. There are four things. One, take care of your faith. Two, take care of your lives. Three, take care of your families. And then four, take care of the country. We are going to look at them very quickly. These four important points. Number one, take care of your faith. Take care of your faith. Remember, every challenge that we face is a challenge against God. He said, I am the Lord of hosts. I am the Lord who fights for you. When people challenge you, they're challenging me. And the person who knows that very well is Paul. When he was there persecuting the church, and the, the, the book of Acts says, as he was going to Damascus, and he was moving so fast to arrest them because they were cult, Jesus Christ appears to him. And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul was like, what? Who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. That you're persecuting. See, because when you mess with my people, you are messing with me. Anytime we are challenged as people of God, let us remember it is a challenge against God. And that is what they were supposed to remember. Then, that was in Acts chapter 9, verse 4. Heck, 
Remember, God is still committed to us. God is still committed to his people. That will never change. We fail, yes, we do. And sometimes things have to happen for us to wake up, but God is committed to us. He is still the God of Israel. I am the Lord of hosts, and I am the God of Israel. Yeah, you are in the land of captivity, but I am still your God. I will never leave you nor forsake you, as Hebrews quotes in chapter Hebrews 13, verse 5. That is the promise that God gives us all the time. That is the promise that Christ gave to us when he gave us the great commission. The, the promise is, I will be with you all the way to the end of age. When Moses was called to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, when Moses gave all the excuses, the only answer God had was, I'm with you. I can talk, I'll be with your mouth. No other way. I will be there. So, the Lord of hosts, he is God who is with us. Our battles are his battles. Anytime people of God are challenged, God is being challenged. So Nebuchadnezzar's dream is an interesting thing because four years after they are there, that is when God steps in and makes Nebuchadnezzar have that dream because he was still involved. Even though he sent them there, it was him who sent them, who was still involved. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he says, guess what? I will lay down my life for you. I came to die for you. I am your shepherd. I'm guarding you. And I will die for you if I have to. That's what Jesus said. In fact, he told them, guess what? I and the Father as one. And those whom I have in my hand, nobody can take them out of my hand. And he said, nobody can take out of the Father's hand. Because this is a God who fights for us. Christians, even now, God is the Lord of hosts, even here in America. Don't ever think that things have changed. God is still the same. So let us remember that we get involved. Moses and the Red Sea. Remember that story when the Israelites were about to cross the Red Sea and they were scared to death because Pharaoh was coming. And Paul said in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be silent. Quit fighting. Just let God do it, and he will do it. There's another promise that I love in the scripture. Uh, vengeance belongs to God. Did you know that? Do you have somebody who is making your life very difficult and wants to destroy you completely? You know what the Bible says? Don't fight it. Because that, that person might be too strong anyway. Destroy you. And so what God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay it. Leave it up to me. For you, give them some water if they are thirsty. Give them food if they are hungry. That's all. It's very easy to do, but don't fight. That's God's fight. That is God's. It is his. Look at this. Psalms 89. Talking about Israel. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with a rod and their iniquity with a strike. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or 
the unfaithful be false to my faithfulness. God has said, my name is at stake. What I promise to do, I will do. And I will, they, I will punish their sin, yes, with a stripe. But remember, I said, by his stripe, we are healed. So that he took all of those stripes on Jesus Christ. But the commitment is that it's not going to change. We fail. That's why we have First John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we haven't done anything, you are making him a liar. He made a provision. We need to be aware of that. Our God is aware of our failures and our weaknesses. I will not violate my covenant nor alter the word that went forth from my lips. His word will remain true always. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of a womb? Even this, this may forget, but I will not forget you. That is our God. He is always faithful. He remains our God. Second one, take care of your, of, of your lives. So take care of your faith. Remember, the Lord is the God of hosts. He is fighting for you. Remember, he remains your God. So that even when you fail, there is forgiveness. Confess. Don't hide. Don't bring them to him. And he will forgive. So then now, take care of your families, of your lives. Go to work. Provide for your families. Go to work. Provide for the mission. Do you know that? I was speaking to a businessman one time when we were in a Bible study, and he said, you know, the real ultimate thing in Christianity is when you give up your business and go overseas. I said, but do you realize that when missionaries want to go overseas, they come to you and say, we need your support. I said, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. When we go to work, we are doing God's work. When you apply for a job, you are, doing, you are applying for mission. Because you are saying to get that job, to provide for your family, pro- provide for your life, but also it is so that God's work can continue. So to do God's work, it takes Christians going to work and getting jobs. In the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it heartily, Ask for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever we do, any job we apply for, doctors, nurses, teachers, uh, housekeepers, whatever we do, we do it as for the Lord. Let us him no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And that anyone in need does not just mean a neighbor. It means the world is in need. So we work, we get jobs so that we can serve the Lord and provide for those who are in need. Paul says, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command If anyone is not willing to walk, let him not eat. 
God values work. And actually, it's, a, it's part of who we are as God's people if we are supposed to work. And so, um, I won't go too much into that. Let's continue. For we hear that some among you walk in, idol, uh, walk in idleness. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. God is encouraging us to work. Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 and 12. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ, to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. He's saying in the name of Christ, please get, go to work. Now, sometimes there are no jobs. So there are issues that we bring before God because as much as we pray for the missions, we need to pray for, for God to open up uh, places of work and, and jobs. The economy for the country is part of it. So take care of your faith. Take care of your lives. Take care of your families. Raise families. Get married. Have children. That's why I said it's good when you uh, encourage. And Ruby is very good at that. He's a, he's a good matchmaker. When she, he sees a young man who is really just afraid to make a move. Uh, and, you know, we were in uh, Togo. There was this young man who was in love with this girl. They are both in the church, but they just could not make a move. So we invited them to come to marriage seminar, and we talk about everything. And that got him going. They're married now. They have a young, we saw a young, nice boy. And so, yes, weddings are very good, Christians. It is part of the ways in which the gospel can go from generation to generation. So let's encourage that. Let's encourage young people to get married and wedding in the church. Because then we are producing families, we are producing uh, children who will one day become missionaries, become leaders. We, that is part of God's plan. Number four, take care of your country. I mentioned two things. Get involved. Engage. Christians, we need God's people to engage with the leadership of the country. We need God's people who will rise up and say, I would like to be a leader if there is an opportunity to be a mayor, to be a, uh, to be a, a politician. It is a good thing. I was doing a seminar in one of the countries, and we were doing a seminar about leadership, and there were two people who questioned and said, is it good for a pastor to join politics? And they were saying it's not good. They said because... Politicians are liars. And a pastor of no business becoming a liar. I said, so are you telling me that we elect liars to write the laws for our country and then keep the pastors at home? I said, no. Anybody, Christians should be involved, even pastors should be involved in politics. And if God calls you from being a pastor to, I'm not, I didn't say the pastor was called, okay? So don't blame me if he leaves the church tomorrow. It's not me. But get them involved. Get that, let, let's talk to leaders. Let's engage with them. Uh, call your senator. Call and ask, how are you doing? How can we pray for you? We need to engage. Seek 
the welfare. And the welfare is not just peace. It is the whole prosperity of the nation. And I'm not talking about prosperity, cult, whatever. But it does include prosperity economically. The reason why America sends so many missionaries overseas is because you have an economy that is prosperous. And you are able to do that. And South Korea is doing the same thing. That's where our son is now. So, yes, we need to get engaged. We need to get involved in the community. We need to know what is going on politically, and we need to be there. But remember, this was being told to do that in a foreign land. How much more? At home. And then, while we engage, we need to pray. We need to pray for those who are leaders, those whom God has called to lead. That is very biblical. God wants us to pray. Look at Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions. That is an expression of saying we really need to get involved in praying. And thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all who are in high positions, that we are supposed to do that, that they may lead, a, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. By the way, never make a mistake of saying we need to pray for persecution so that the church can grow. That's a very stupid prayer. Number one, who do you want to do the persecuting for you? If you are asking God to bring persecution, you are saying you want somebody else to do the persecuting? Is that loving? Isn't that person sinning and doing evil things? Persecution may come, and it will come. But our prayer is for peace so that we can continue to preach the gospel. That is why God, we love it when we go to an, a country we try to get involved with the leaders, as you, you had Cameron Cato on the video. He was talking about, we call it, we call, they call it community outreach. And he said doctors came, bankers came, principals, even politicians came. And at the end of that seminar, they said, next time you come, we will plan it. Because we took what is in God's word and present in the language that they understand, and they loved it. Because the Bible that we have is an amazing book. I shared about uh, those people in uh, Sri Lanka, the Hindus who came for the marriage seminar and leadership, then they came for the evangelistic seminar because they just loved what the Bible taught about family and leadership. We have such a treasure in the word of God. Let us give them out. Let us give them out to the community. Let us give them out to the leaders because this is part of missions. So these four things, if we, don't, if we neglect our faith and give up and, and, and agree to, to feel dejected and hopeless, we have really lost the point. God says, I'm the Lord of hosts. I'm fighting for you, and I am still your God. And secondly, if we neglect our lives instead of going thinking about looking for opportunities to work and all of that. Guess what? Those are the resources God uses to support the missionaries. They're the resources God uses for us to continue building our homes. And so building 
taking care of our families, raising children in the ways of God, and uh, seeing that we continue to grow, and then taking care of this community, taking care of the country. When we do that, we are doing missions, because out of these important pillars, we are able to send missionaries overseas. So my question is, do you think we are in captivity today? Are you in captivity? This question came from Ruby, by the way. She told me, you need to, you need to bring it, contextualize. Yes, sometimes we feel that way. Well, remember, God is still our God. He's fighting for us. Remember, go back to work. Continue with life. Take care of the families and get engaged in building the nation. For that is one way that we can let missions go and make a difference. Let us pray. Father, what a joy and what a privilege to have this opportunity to do that which you are doing, building your kingdom. You are still the God, the Lord of hosts, who continue to fight for your people. And we thank you for that. Thank you for Hope Church. Thank you for their commitment to continue doing missions, continue doing the work in spite of all the circumstances around us. Thank you, Lord, and we pray that you will continue to bless your church and continue to multiply and let the gospel go until all the nations are able to say, Jesus is Lord. Amen. Now, last week I wasn't here because I, I went to Seattle to visit my family, and basically I went for one reason. There are times when I need to go back and I need to check on the spiritual world for my family. Not all of my family members are saved, and God's doing some things in the lives of a couple of family members. And I really wanted to go back to see and get a, an idea of what's going on spiritually for such a time as this. Um, somebody told you about the message of Jesus. One person told you about Jesus, and your life was forever changed. And that's ultimately what this morning is all about, that we have the great privilege of telling people about Jesus in a personal way, and then we have this great privilege of partnering with missionaries that go all over the world. And we have a deep, wonderful heritage of history with missions. Cindy Miller talked about Bulgaria. Remember years ago, we sent a youth group to Bulgaria? I mean, we literally have been all over to, uh, to Bulgaria, to Bolivia, all over supporting our missionaries. And we invite you to continue to be a part of that as we support our missionaries. What I would say is this. If you've not been involved in, in missions, grab a hold of one or two missionaries and maybe put their name in front of you and find out about them. Go to the website. Find out information about them. Maybe put it on, a, on your calendar to pray for them daily. I mean, you heard the... The serious prayer requests here, Cindy Miller, you've got the um, Thompsons ready to go. I mean, they, they've been ready to go for the past year. You know, let's invite the Lord to send them off to be able to partner with them. So we are grateful for that. We're grateful for Solomon in this message. Does, does the Bible speak, the Old Testament speak to the New Testament? It sure does, doesn't it? As we saw today, for such a time as this, take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your faith. Wonderful things to take care of. Let me just dismiss you from the book of Romans. Last couple of verses in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul, that great missionary, says this, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known to us through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, 
so that all nations might believe and obey to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.